The first reading is from Isaiah, the 25th chapter. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food marrow, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all the peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of the Lord. The psalmody for today is from Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shame, or let your holy ones see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The second reading for Easter is from 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 16th chapter. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. 
and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. He said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out, and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the gospel of our Lord. I think every Easter sermon starts this way. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Start off with a word. Word is this, reminded. And it's really easy to think of the definition of this word. Re is like a do-over. And then minded, put in your mind. So today, reminded, have things put back into our minds, in our minds again. There are times in our lives when we, we need to be reminded of the truth. Here's an example. We just don't tell our children when they're young enough to kind of remember. We just don't tell them once, oh, honey, I love you, and then hope that they remember it the rest of their lives. We don't. We constantly tell our children that we love them, and we try to show it in a lot of ways. Um, and then there's an example with, with an I love you that I think in the West it goes something like this, that on the day this, this cowboy got married to his beautiful bride, there in front of the church before God, he says, I love you. His wife later on in years said, um, honey, do you still love me? I mean, you don't say anything about it. And he says, I told you I love you once when we got married. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. And that's not how we work. We tell our family, we tell our brides, our, our, the husbands, we, just, we constantly say, I love you. We want to make sure that they never forget that we love them. God does the same thing for us. God inspires the church to remember his powerful and victorious love for us. And he asks us to do this and reminds us every week of the year. Actually, every Sunday we get to remember that he, he lived with us and he died for us and he rose from us. We remember the sacraments, we remember his words, we remember the prayers. The liturgy and the scripture just speaks to us about God's love for us. We are not alone in the need to be remembered, be, be reminded. Think about this, John, who was considered one of the I didn't say the greatest, but he was great in a way that he had love for God. He's even told the one who loved him. And John was the only one who didn't flee. When Jesus was crucified, he was there, and he was there at the foot of the cross with Mary, and he was entrusted Jesus' mother, right? That's the John. That John needed to be reminded too. Later on in his life, we can read this in Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Jesus comes to him. The angel comes to him. And this is the exchange. John says, when I saw him, when I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet, though I were dead. Right? And he's doing that because the power of God and the light of God and the, and the strength of God of this risen Lord, but now this the God fully revealed in his glory was there. And he was sh sh 
he didn't even know how to respond, so he just fell at his feet. And there his feet, Jesus put his right hand on me, John says. And then he says, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and Hades. John needed reminded. Our opening song this morning, again, we had this big group of musicians over here making the melodies, an amazing voice, the keys, just they had practiced it well. We had the, the praise team that created ministries that had built this art and put, this, and put the presentation before us. And one of the words that we heard powerfully at the end of that reminding was, He's alive. I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. Hearing the, this, this creative ministry group rehearse over the last weeks and again pre presenting it to us today, it had gotten me thinking about some things, about how often we need God reminders. I mean, for us, can we hear the gospel lessons? Even if we're here every Sunday, can we hear the gospel lessons and, and still have doubts? Can we? I think we can. I do. I mean, we might, we might know that God can forgive. God displayed that he can forgive. Even the one who drives the spikes, he said, Father, forgive. But, but then when thinking about our lives, our motives, our lack of dedication, all the list of things that we fail, we might think that, wow, maybe God doesn't, want to forgive me. He's given me all the chances he's going to give. You know, we might know that God can and has opened heaven, that the grave did not hold Jesus, that God opens heavens for all those who would, who would ask, all the sinners, but with that in mind, that he knows me, would he invite me? Would he invite a sinner like me who chooses to sin? Because we think of God in, in our limited capacity, we can hold or we can doubt that God's desire for love for us, his ability to forgive us and welcome us, we can, desire, we can doubt his desire to do that. Not based on him, but based on us. Jesus then sends angels, his spirit to remind us that his love and forgiveness and power to love is greater than any and all of our capacities to sin. Today, on Easter Sunday, the doubting of God ends. Thinking about the limits of forgiveness and the capacities to, to forgive you know, it's been a while since I've shared a story about, uh, about Iowa and family, but here goes another one. Um, it was a summer. A lot of times it was summer in Iowa. A sister and I are there. We're grandparents' house, and we were able to vi visit them for a short period of time. And 
This particular summer, the grandparents, they wanted to do something kind of special for us as we arrived. And so we got there in the evening. And that first night, my, my grandparents, they gave us a gift. They gave me a slingshot. I mean, it was just not a wood slingshot in the shape of a V. No, this was the kind that had the little thing that goes over your forearm, nice rubber things with a leather cup at the back. Wow, what a slingshot this was. My sister, she was so excited as well because she got this, this beautiful set of brushes and paints and paper, paper so that she could create beautiful art stuff, right? We were excited about these gifts. Well, after chores the next morning, my sister takes her paintbrushes and her art stuff, and she goes out to this, this picnic table outside, and she wants to capture the, the pictures and the, the, the beauty of the world around her. Well, I take this slingshot, I take it, and I head down towards a pond that was at the, at the bottom of the property, if you will, this, this water down there. And as I'm walking down there, I see a rock, and I said, this rock is the right size. It's like a good shape and everything. I reach down, I get that rock, and I draw that slingshot back, and I aim as best as I can for a knot that's on the tree. And I let that rock go, and it's whistling through the wind. It's like a bullet. Just and um, I missed. But I just didn't miss the knot. I missed the tree. I missed the tree by at least, I thought, like 10 feet. So with this epic miss, I'm starting to look around thinking, okay, did anybody see this? And I'm kind of relieved, like, no one saw. That was an embarrassing shot. I continue my walk towards the pond. I'm picking up a rock here, drawing it back, aiming at something, and letting it go. Miss. Do it again. I get down to the pond, and for at least an hour, I'm down there finding the rocks by the pond, drawing that thing back, and aiming at things carefully, trying to figure it out. And everything that I'm trying to hit, I miss. I miss badly. And at this point, about an hour into this, I'm getting more and more discouraged. So I, I said, okay, it's time to head back. Let's go get some, I'll get some lunch, and we'll try this maybe later on. So I start walking back towards the house, get some lunch, and I see Grandma's pet duck. Without thinking much of it, I reach over, I grab a rock, I draw that thing back, and I let one go. Whistles through the air, and I hit the duck. I mean, no, not like, like I hit the duck. Like, I hit the duck on the side of the head, hit the duck. This duck that was standing there in his beauty, it just, just sat down, just flopped down, laid down. Right in his tracks. I was shocked that I hit it. I hadn't hit anything all day. I wanted to run over, and I did. So I ran over, I get to this duck, and I thought, okay, let me, let me just pet his head and, and kind of wake it up a little bit, and his head's just flopping on the end of its neck. I picked the thing up, and I set it on his feet, because maybe it just needs to be every time I fall down, they just put me on my feet. So I put the duck on his feet, and I sit it there, and it just, it flops. Like a dead duck. 
So in a panic, now I'm looking around for a place. I gotta hide my evidence. I gotta hide this. I gotta hide this duck. So I see a wood pile off on the side of the yard, and I'm thinking, okay, great, there's a spot. So I pick up this duck and I go scurrying over there because I got a place to hide the duck. I set the duck down carefully because maybe it's not dead. Maybe in, in three days it will come back or something. So I set the duck down and I come around the wood pile and I'm gonna start going back to the house like nothing ever happened. And and there. There was my sister. She had been watching. She had seen it all. She didn't say a single word. She just looked at me with a sister gotcha look. After lunch, Grandma said, my sister name's Chris. Chris, let's go. Let's, will you help me wash the dishes? Chris says, oh, Grandma, Jeff told me that, that he wanted to help you in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Jeff? And then she, rem she whispers to me, remember the duck. So I got up, helped clear the table, helped with dishes. Later on in the afternoon, Grandpa said, hey, kids, let's go fishing. I, I got everything set up. Let's go fishing. Grandma hollers out from again in the kitchen, hey, uh, dad or grandpa, I could use some help on the dessert part for tonight. I'm not done with that. Can Chris stay and help me with the can, Chris, could you stay and help me with, with making that dessert? Chris just smiled and said, Grandpa, I can go fishing because Jeff said that he wanted to help Grandma in the kitchen making dessert. And she whispered again, Remember the duck. After several days of doing both my chores and my sister's chores, I was getting to a thin point, if you will. I was going to crack. It happened at the dinner table. I noticed that my sister, or my sister noticed that she forgot to bring the mustard. Like, I like to put ketchup on everything back in the day. My sister, she was the mustard person. She put mustard on everything. Well, instead of her getting up to go get the mustard, she said, hey, Jeff, can you get me the mustard? I, uh, it was over. Grandpa's at one side. Grandma's in front. I, I said, Grandma, I need to tell you something. I'm sorry. I had not been able to hit anything all day with that slingshot. And when I was walking back to the house, I just picked up that rock. I aimed at the duck, and I let the rock go, and I, and I shot your duck. I hit it in the head. I killed your duck. My grandfather just put his hand on top of my head. Grandma got up from her chair, and she gave me one of those great, big old, grandma-loving, smothering kind of hugs. And then she says, sweetheart, I know. I was, I was standing at the seek, looking out the window. I saw the whole thing. Because I love you, I forgave you. And then she said, Grandpa and I were wondering how long you would let your sister make a slave out of you. Say that last part. Because I love you, I forgave you. 
And we were wondering how long you'd be a slave to your sister. On February 17th this year, Ash Wednesday, we began a journey. It was a special journey. It was to be a journey toward freedom, toward being alive and free in Jesus, and to experience and be reminded of the love of God. 40 days. So we started this on Ash Wednesday with a confession. And if you remember Ash Wednesday, in that night, every year, there's a long and detailed confession not just, I've sinned against you, thought, you know, thought, words, and deeds, things I've done, things I left done, amen. No, it's, it's a detail of all the ways that we are sinning against God and God's creation. And then with that confession, there was a physical marking with an ancient symbol of repentance and confession. On there, we receive ash, and it's put on our foreheads in the shape of a cross, it's traced right over the place when we were baptized and we are anointed with the cross of Christ forever, the Spirit of God, and that's our mark. It, that ash was put right over that spot. And then from that moment, we were invited to enter a 40-day time of intentional additional prayer, time that we could set aside and, if nothing else, just be quiet and listen for the presence and the voice of God and maybe read his word and just let it speak to us. We were to add that so we could get close to our God, to be in the presence and the embrace of our God. For 40 days, we were to have periodic fasting and deny ourselves and then so we could discover God's presence and love in our lives. 40 days of intentional, additional Bible reading and study so we could read God's word and hear him speak to us. 40 days of additional acts of kindness, loving other people as if Jesus was loving them through us. We would not let our right hand know what our left hand's doing. We'd just love and take care of people because that's what we do. That's what we do for 40 days. And, and when we remember this, at no point in this journey, this Lent season journey, are we asked to carry shame. At no point are we asked to carry guilt. At no point are we asked to hide our offenses of God and other people. Or are we to try to cover them up and pretend they didn't happen. At no point were we expected to earn forgiveness, to win forgiveness, to have merit of good works before our Father in heaven. At not one moment were we to do that. In this 40 days, we were to believe that there is freedom in confession. We were to trust that there is life in following the way of Jesus. That if you want to know life, you'll only find it close to and following Jesus. And then we were asked to say, when you're facing the unknown and all the things that are set before us, when you're facing the unknown, hold on to what you know. And what we knew and we remembered during these 40 days is that the love of God is powerfully and perfectly presented in his son, Jesus. Today, we've heard the completion of what was begun on Ash Wednesday. Today, the war's over. Jesus, the Son of God, he won that victory on Good Friday. He loved his Father in perfection. 
He loved us in perfection, and he let it all go to win that war, and it was won. The cross was not defeat. The cross was victory. He loved the Father. He loves us. Today, the doubting stops. Today, we are reminded that Jesus is alive, that we are forgiven, and that heaven's gates are open wide. And on that day, my grandmother simply repeated what she had been gifted to the church and through the church to her. She repeated the words, how long were you going to be a slave? Because I love you, I forgave you. Church, believe the good news. Trust the good news. And share the good news with those who need to hear. God help us to do these things. Amen. Let us declare our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for God's people. Heavenly Father, we live in a culture of distractions and diversions. Help us to focus our hearts and minds on the things of first importance. Your holy will and way are gifted to us in the life of your Son. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, you sent an angelic messenger to proclaim Jesus' resurrection to the women on Easter morning. Inspire us to receive the good news and to share the good news in every aspect of our lives. Lord, in your mercy. Loving God with joy and delight, we thank you that new day has dawned and new hope is given. Christ is alive and you, you're empower, and you empower us to be alive with him. We thank you that grace is stronger than evil, that mercy is larger than suffering, that joy is greater than sorrow. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a day to celebrate Easter. 
We thank you for birthdays and anniversaries celebrated this week. We thank you for all of the loved ones you have placed into our lives and the beautiful memories that live on within us. We ask that you sustain the faith of those who mourn the absence of loved ones. We ask that you touch the lives of those we know and love who are in need of healing, courage, and peace, especially those we name in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.